welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today, and this was an absolutely incredible episode. We bring on goaltender Tyler Parks, and I think the best way to introduce Parksy is just to read his Elite Prospects page, because you talk about sandpaper, you talk about earning it, holy crap. So this starts in 2009-2010, he starts off in the Great Lakes Junior Hockey League, which I never heard of, for the Illinois Frontenacs, to the St. Louis Frontenacs to Springfield Junior Blues in the NAHL. By the way, this was after he got cut from an NA3 team. Uh, To the Minot Minotauros, to St. Lawrence University, to Adrian College, goes back from Division I to Division III, to the Missouri Mavericks of the East Coast League, to the Evansville Thunderbolts of the SPHL, to the Peoria Rivermen of the SPHL, up to Missouri in the East Coast, to Elmira in the East Coast, Back to Peoria the next year in the SP, to Reading Royals in the coast, Florida Everblades in the coast, Tulsa Oilers in the coast. Next year he goes to Rapid City in the coast, and then this year he starts in Rapid City in the coast. And now, finally, this year he earns his first call-up as a goaltender to the Tucson Roadrunners of the AHL, the farm team of the Arizona Coyotes. So... As you can probably tell, this is going to be a pretty inspiring episode when you talk about somebody that just gives it their all and and earns it and has to work their way from the bottom up. So awesome, awesome episode. But before we do get to Parksy, let's bring on the awesome talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, this was a proud one for you, man. Yeah, buddy. Got uh, got a little emotional for a hot second there towards the end (laughs) when when we were reflecting back on everything, but... Man, that that resume is just so crazy. And even before that, not even playing varsity in St. Louis, which is just like, you know, if we're talking about high level hockey, I mean, it's it's good hockey. But like when you're talking about the guys who are going to go play juniors in college, it is not even close to that level. It is not preparing anyone for that that next step. When he was 17 uh, years old, he was playing varsity junior, hockey in St. Louis or junior JB, varsity. Yeah, junior he didn't even varsity, make the varsity team. Didn't even yeah. make the varsity team as a junior. Didn't even start playing goalie till he was whatever a Pee-wee. teenager, te- peewee, you know, and he was, and he's playing house league, and he is in the AHL right now with a 92 save percentage. Like for anyone listening, and, and you know, some people are like, "Oh, you're you're too much of an optimist," blah blah blah. No, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. Don't ever ever let anyone tell you you can't do something feed off of that like tyler has done and when you hear this story i mean as the episode goes on it just gets more and more and more intense and more inspiring and it's just an unbelievable story oh it is it really is and and i think so many listeners are going to get so much out of this because it just where he grew up and and how he grew up and his his family story um, growing up with a single mom that gave him everything that she could and that wasn't a lot but the the lessons that it taught him to just you know not even knowing really what hockey is and just kind of getting introduced to it to all the struggles that he faced in in junior hockey college hockey professional hockey I mean you just look at his resume and and uh, it just you have to love the game as much as he does to to endure the things that he 
he had to endure throughout his journey and just such a such a fantastic episode awesome guy first time i've met him you obviously know him really well um but just there's there's so much good to to come out of this episode that's very cool yeah i mean i just i uh my heart is full right now, man, after talking <laughs> to that guy and just going through that story. Like, dude, like it's so unbelievably inspiring. And it's it's dude, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. It is so cool. And I, I just can't wait for everyone to hear this story and to just be really, really inspired. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean it's for me too, like I kinda needed this right now. There's been yeah, like when you get when you get sprung into the youth hockey world like I'm doing right now, oh my there's a lot of negativity. And I mean if the listeners know me and you know me very well, I don't I don't enjoy that. I, I like a much more positive environment and attitude. And so some of the things that I've had, some of the conversations that I've had and, and things like that have been have been tough from being a positive person and hearing so much negativity. And this was just like such a breath of fresh air and such like a, for the moment that I'm in right now as a person, it was like something I needed, if that makes any sense. Dude, I, I, it's funny. I was talking to my mom today, obviously your aunt, um, because we are cousins and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm saying like, we we're, we we're talking about, you know, next year and I'm, I'm um, not going to be coaching or I'm not going to have like a regular coaching role. I'll probably do some volunteer coaching whenever I can, uh, and how it's going to be hard for me. And, uh, and then I was like, but you know, my schedule will definitely at least be a little bit easier, not going back and forth between two, r- two rinks every single day. And I was like, but I'll tell you what, Tof, he has got his work cut out <laughs> for him. And, and, you know, like you're going to be steeped in it hard core because you're not just head coaching a midget program you're running a program and you know like you said and i and i think everyone has good intentions and everyone just wants the best for their kid but sometimes it turns people into kind of kind of crazy and and you know there's a lot of negativity out there so like you said this it was good to hear this one and there's a lot of fear out there too and you know you just wrote this post that i've had so many people message me and tell me how much they needed to read that like people in my gym coming in that that i would never have thought like would be following that stuff is like that was an unreal uh piece that you wrote on on fear of missing out and coaches fears and players fears and it was it was very well written if anybody hasn't read it yet i i urge you to go to to Tof's website the hockey think tank.com and read his his uh piece on fear thanks man Appreciate yeah it. i mean it i mean <laughs> it. i message you i mean i read all your stuff i watch all your videos everything is good but that was like next level a 10 out 10, 11 out of 10 spot on Oh, 11 out of 10. You're not an 11 out of 10 I don't 10 believe it. I know. Don't I was just trying to say wow. how special you are. I was trying to say how special <laughs> that was, all right? You're 10 out of 10. I know how big of a thing that is when like people say 150%. I know how much that irks you, so I had to give that to you there. <laughs> But it is it's interesting, you know, like getting into and, and I've been open on this podcast about over the past month since I've taken things over with this organization, I've I've tried to do very little talking and a lot of listening and, and just trying to get a sense of everything that's going on. Not even necessarily just with this organization that I'm a part of now, but uh, in general, just talking to, to hockey people in different cities and and just getting a sense of like the youth hockey culture in general. And there's just there's such a disconnect between doing doing the right thing and, and it being like a professional crazy thing. 
and I feel like it's it's swung so far the other way of it being a professional thing at so young of an age. Um, and, and parents, they just they they will do anything for their kids, and it's a lot of times in the right intentions. And they, it's so easy to get caught up in the drama and get caught up in the BS um, of thinking that you need to be doing this at this age in order to you to get to a certain level or, or things like that. And, and I think just people forget to take a step back and like, what are we talking about here? Like, what are we talking? We're talking about youth sports. We're talking about kids that what, why, why do you play sp- Like, why do you put your kids in sports? It's, it's for all the right reasons. You put your kids in sports so they know how to be a teammate. They can learn how to handle adversity and so they can exercise and be healthy and, and all that kind of stuff. And that just gets so lost in, in the seriousness of the professionalism of youth sports today. And so I think that's why it struck such a nerve because especially at this time of year, because the tryout rules are what they are, everybody's going kind of crazy trying to figure out what's the next best step for, for their son or their daughter. And, you know, we just lose sight of, of the why. We lose sight of, of what it is. And, and uh, you know, I think it resonated with a lot of people because of that. It was like a kind of almost like a check, like a reminder of like, okay, this is, this is actually what this should be about. You know, and it doesn't mean that it's not serious, and it doesn't mean that kids should be shouldn't be challenged, and um, it doesn't mean that you you don't push kids or anything. But at the end of the day, the the why of the youth sports I think is really important to take a step back and, and understand of what you're doing. Totally, and and something I was just reminded of, like while you're saying all this stuff, it's like if your kid wants it, like I know I, I'm guessing and I I'm assuming that. The, the quote unquote craziness of parents is coming from a, a true place of positivity, trying to help their kid, trying to help their kids succeed in something that they, they know they love. But it's like that, uh, that quote that Jeff Goldblum says in Jurassic park one, where he's like, life will find a way. And it's kind of like exactly what, what this, this specific episode is yeah, about. That's true. Tyler parks found a way because he just loved hockey. He was super dedicated. He wanted to make it his, his profession. He wanted, to go D one, even though he probably couldn't even skate when he was like 13, (laughs) life found a way. Like he found a way because he wanted it. It wasn't people going after him saying, I need to take your money. You got Luke Vanker as his goalie coach doing lessons for him for 10 years for free, multiple lessons a week. You know, you got people helping him find him jobs and, and all this different stuff. Like, and he was going out and searching for it. He found a way if your kid really wants it and they can't play for this team or that team don't get crazy if they really want it nurture that passion help them figure out you know how to be a dedicated athlete and whatever without pushing them if they want it show them the way and then it's up to them and and they'll find a way if they want it yeah and i think the most important job for a parent or a coach because a coach has a lot to do with this too is putting kids in an environment where they're going to fall in love with the game and it was interesting. So I didn't ask me anything on Facebook and Instagram, like a Facebook and Instagram live thing just before we got on here. And that was one of the questions that, that I got. And, and I really, especially at the younger ages, but even, even at the pro level, you know, even at the older ages, like I look back at the kids that I played with or the kids that I coached that went on to do great things. And, and they all had something in common. And one was obviously talent. You have to be talented. But the second thing was they just, they love the game. 
they absolutely loved the game, and you, this that shines very bright with Parksy in in this episode, and I think people will really relate to that. But if you're not providing an environment, and and parents and coaches, because we're both both a huge piece of it, one of your main jobs: make sure you're making an environment where the kids want to come to the rink, they want to fall in love with the game. And then they'll want to get, they'll want to be at the rink. And when you want to be at the rink, that's when you're going to get better. And so that passion piece of it, we talk about hockey development. Like you can talk about the skating and the skills and the hockey sense and all that kind of stuff. That means literally nothing if the kid doesn't have a passion and and a growing and burning desire for the game. So as youth coaches, as youth parents, I think we need to remember that. And I think we need to put things in place to make sure that our kids are developing with that in mind. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. Like, and it's, literally, it's, you don't see that much anymore. You really yeah. don't. It's become so professional at yeah. so young of an age. Like, you got kids at mites wearing freaking suits to the rink, and you know, you got, you got coaches like at so young of an age, like, you know, teaching systems and stuff. And it's just like, you know, what what are we doing here? Like, like take a step back and reflect about what it really takes to make it to that next level. If that's your end goal, you have to love the game. You have to add, that's the number one most important thing is you have to love the game because you and I have played with a lot of seriously talented people, unbelievably talented people in college or pro hockey that just didn't have a burning desire for the game. And you just wonder if they did, how amazing they would be at hockey. And then you see some of these other people who weren't as talented, but just like Parksy that absolutely freaking loved it. And they just overexceeded in, in everything they do. And that's how you should judge. Honestly, that's how you should judge a person's career is did they overexceed? Like, did they max their potential out? That's success. Like that, t- t- talk to me about somebody that has really done it right. Like, I don't, if like, if you played in the NHL, but you didn't come close to making your potential to me, that's, that's not really, that's a success, but not really. Like, give me the guy that overperformed and overexceeded. That's the one that I'll take any day of the week. Man, if my brain was a book, you'd be reading out of it right now. <laughs> that's that's how on the same page we are. I literally couldn't agree with you more. Like a hundred percent, you know, and and. People, you know, you chirp me sometimes about, you know, saying I, I brag about scoring goals or whatever, but like, it's literally like, I feel like I overachieved for what I had yeah. and I'm, I'm proud of that. I always start out when I meet new clients and I tell them like, look, like this is where I played. This is what I did. Not because I'm bragging. I'm literally proud because it was strictly off friggin' blood, sweat, tears and time. Like that's how I got there. And, and you know, like it's exactly what you're saying. Parksy is the same way. When I saw the text in the middle of the night, when I woke up the next day that he got that call to the AHL, I was taking a dump in the morning and I was crying. <laughs> I remember it. I was, I was checking my text as I wake up and I take my morning number two and I check my text. I get text overnight from Parksy. It says, Hey, Vex, just want to let you know. I just got called up. Like, thanks for everything or something. And I called immediately. I was freaking crying. I was just so happy for a guy who finally is getting recognized for all the, the, the hours and hours and hours and years of being behind the scenes and getting stepped on is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And that's another thing too, when you talk about his story and, and we get into it on the podcast, so we don't need to get into it too much here, but like he didn't have quote unquote, like professional coaching. 
he didn't, you know, go to all these private lessons and, you know, all this kind of stuff, which is great. I mean, that can help you get better. But at the end of the day, how much do you love it? Like if you're going to private lessons, but you don't really want to be there and you don't love it, then what are you going for? You know, honestly, because it's not going to amount to, to, to anything. And to, to hear his story on how he did it, and he did it on basically sheer will. Like, his family didn't have the resources. Um, he had to get lucky a few times. Like, it's just, it's incredible. And I think it's such an important lesson for so many people in this youth hockey world today um, to, to hear. Because it is. It's all about you. It's all about how much you want it, how badly you want it, and not being deterred when things don't go your way. It's it's just it's it's incredible. It's such a cool story. Yeah, it really is. And and the last thing that I that I'll say is like, you know, we said life will find a way. That Parksy found a way. Like if you're one of those guys and you're trying to find a way, like ask questions. Message Tove, message me, message your coaches, ask your coaches, whatever. Like, where can I do? Where can I find ways to get better? Like, there is so much available to players nowadays through YouTube, through like your you have a website with webinars and um, uh, our podcast. Like, watching YouTube clips of your favorite player that you want to emulate. Like, you can watch them all day long and learn. You, subscriptions to workouts. I got one of those coming out soon. Wink, wink. Like you can, <laughs> you can, uh, you can literally find so many ways in today's world to get better on your own. So players and parents, like I urge you to like seek those out. If you're one of those passionate people, it doesn't matter if you don't make that triple a quadruple a summer, whatever team, like, don't worry about it. Find a way. If you care, you'll find a way. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. That's uh, that's so true. Actually, now that you mentioned that, we're coming out with a YouTube page this week. So this oh, obviously sick. comes out on Monday, and uh, the Hockey Think Tank is going to have a YouTube page. So we're going to have some more content on there. So thanks for reminding me to to, to say that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, we're just trying to do everything we can to help educate people about the game. And and uh, YouTube is a great way to, to have video stuff. You know, we do a lot of stuff on social media. We obviously have the podcast and stuff as well. But you know, we've we and I have made our life mission to to help the hockey world and make it a little bit more of a positive place to to live in. And we are so passionate about this game. Very cool to to have Parksy on this episode, who is is right up there with us. He's not even more. And uh, hey, man, like it's just it's it's a pleasure to be able to do this and and to provide people with stories like Parksy's because there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to be in similar spots that he was when he was their age. And the fact that they can look to him now and say, you know what? He did it. And, 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 and it gives you the how to like, Hey, it ain't easy. You're going to get cut. You're going to have to work harder from everybody else. Um, it's just, it's a very, very relatable, very, very cool story that he has. And, and I'm so excited that we're able, that we have the platform and we've built this platform to be able to share stories like this. Yeah. Unreal. So, um, with that, uh, again, we want to thank gel sticks, our title sponsor, um, fantastic training aid. Jeff uses it in the gym. So many teams use it from the college level to the NTDP, uh, in terms of a training aid for, for shooting, uh, with your stick. Uh, we want to thank you listeners so much. And we just, I, we might've even said this on the last episode. I can't remember. Um, but we're over 
uh, a quarter of a million downloads now with uh, with our podcast. So I mean, just a couple snaps for the boys. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for for spreading the word and and for providing us feedback through through DMing us and through leaving us uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your uh, your podcast today. So um, we are so grateful for for all of you, this little army that we've built. Um, that uh, that supports us and supports our message of, of like we said trying to bring a lot more positivity and, and education to the hockey world and uh, this episode right here is going to absolutely knock your socks off with with Tyler Parks' story so uh, with that without further ado let's head it on over to AHL goaltender with the Tucson Roadrunners Tyler Parks we are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast right now, residing in beautiful Tucson, Arizona, goaltender Tyler Parks. Parksy, how are we doing tonight, man? Good. Uh, the weather's great, so can't complain. Yeah, it's snowing here in upstate New York, so uh, eat it. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so uh, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you have such an awesome story. Vex has talked about you probably 15 times on our podcast before, um, and, and we're really excited to get you on here to, to share your journey. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot, of, a lot of kids and even a lot of adults that can share a lot of uh, – Share a lot of experiences, I'm sure, through the ups and the downs of what you've gone through. But before we do get to that journey, let's let's start at the beginning of it and uh, talk a little bit about you grew up on the south end of of St. Louis. Uh, so that must have been fun from you and Jeff talking about this pre-show, let's call it. So talk to us a little bit about how you fell in love with the game and, and uh, who your influences were growing up. Yeah, I, uh, I actually grew up in Imperial, Missouri, so it's... Um Jefferson County area, as uh, Mike McKenna used to always trip me for when I was a when I was a little kid growing up. Uh, he's a big race guy, so we'd always go to the racetrack, which is down there in Peebley. So he'd always give me a hard time about being from there. But um, yeah, I went to you know I went through you know kindergarten to eighth grade through there, and I kind of there was a roller rink down there in uh, Herculaneum, and uh, my uncle my my wow. uncle played a ro- <laughs> roller hockey. So with him playing roller hockey, I just was kind of around it. No one in my family like played competitive ice hockey or played ice hockey or or anything like that. But so he played roller hockey in those games, and you know, kind of fell in love with hockey there. My mom was a big hockey fan too, so she put me in, learned to play, and kind of just fell in love with the game from there. So were you playing out as a skater, or were you did you learn to play hockey as a goalie in roller first? No, I like grew up going to, my mom would always take me when I was a little kid. Uh, she'd always take me to the learn to skate or, you know, like the open skates at uh, Kennedy Ice Center um, in South County. And she'd always take me there. And then, yeah, I kind of learned, uh, you know, I used one of the walker things to get started. And one of the rink guards gave me lessons there when I was a little kid. But yeah, so just started skating there. And then she put me in learn to play at, uh, you know, I grew up playing in Afton's organization. And uh, just played, learned to play there. And I was a, I was a player. I didn't play goalie. I was a defenseman, actually. I didn't play goalie until I was, I think I was about nine or ten years old. 
That's really interesting. And Tolf, I know you can't tell through this video, but Parksy is six foot seven inches. Well, I have seen him play. Played oh, a, that's right. I coached against him, so I, I am well aware. <laughs> of the ginormous human that he is. I was going to say I am well aware of the height uh, discrepancy on uh, on that side of the computer versus mine. So, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so uh, when did you decide to be a goalie kind of full time and, and move back into the net? Yeah, I was playing, so I was playing house league. Uh, you know, I was playing uh, house league probably until Wee, second year Wee. I was playing house. And then uh, and then my team just needed a goalie. So, uh, you know, as a D-man, I wasn't the most pretty skating D-man or, you know what I mean? I like blocking the shots. So, you know, they thought it'd be a good fit for me. So I just got some of the uh, rental gear and, and threw it on and, you know, went from there. That's cool, man. Like, what what about the goalie position made you really fall in love with it? Because, I, I, I mean, it's so far beyond my realm of comprehension why anybody would want to play goalie. <laughs> so, um, yeah. what what was it about the position that that uh, that really drew you to it? And when you started playing it, you just kind of fell in love with it and took it and ran with it. Yeah, I really. Well, first, I really liked being on the ice for a full sixty minutes. Oh, you know, yeah. never coming off. And then uh, I liked also being a difference maker. So, you know what I mean? You have a good game and, and you can really be the difference maker in a game. So, you know, whenever I became a goalie, you know, I just I just loved the position from there. And I actually, uh, another funny story actually was that I grew up playing with uh, Casey Brilly, who's Ray Brilly's uh, son. Uh, he's the trainer for the St. Louis Blues. He's just been there forever. Joe just saved Jay Bowmeister's life. Yeah, exactly. He's been there. He's been there forever, but he was so good to me as a kid. He would always, uh, like, you know, it was hard for my mom was a single mom growing up. So it was hard for her to afford gear, uh, and everything like that. So he would always give me like the old blues players pad. So I'd just be playing in whatever I could get my hands on. Like I know one time I was wearing a uh, Fred Brathwaite's pads. And I think I wore those in high school too. I had wow. Freddie Brathwaite's and Curtis. That's Stamper's unreal. Pads. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, you mentioned you, you grew up with a single mom, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I just took over as a hockey director of a, of a youth organization here, and I feel like there is just – there's a lot of entitlement in AAA hockey, like a ton of entitlement from the kids, from the parents. It's one of the things that's really been, for me, a little bit difficult because that really is just not – the kind of values that I really enjoy being around. Um, how much does having a, a mom like that raising you as a single mom, and, and basically I, I would imagine she put a lot of things on the line for you and sacrificed a ton for you. Uh, you know, as a kid, now looking back as an adult, like how much of an influence was that on you and, and how appreciative are you now that uh, that your mom was able to to help you through that process. Yeah, it was it was honestly crazy. I think it honestly made me the type of person I am today. And honestly, having a hard work ethic because just my mindset of things like you know when I was a kid, obviously we'd have the five a.m. practices, everything like that. But she would be working sometimes, you know. So like my grandma and grandpa would have to take me to hockey while she was working and everything like that. So uh, I just knew you know, obviously not having a lot of money, like she's the only income, you know, being a single mom that, you know, I was just appreciative of everything, you know, that I got. 
you know, whether it's, you know, a new stick or, or something like that, or her paying for me to play hockey. I just knew like, like when I was playing that I didn't, I didn't take that for granted. You know, I just always wanted to, you know, make it worth her money, you know? So whenever I get on the ice, I always try to give 110% because, you know what I mean? That's money that she doesn't have that she's giving me to provide an opportunity for me to play hockey. So Tof, I got I got to tell you, man. I've known Parksy for if I've had my company now for going on nine years. I think Parksy joined my company in the second year, so I've known him for seven years. I'd say probably about. And in that time, he's literally one of the most honest. Always giving a, like literally everything he has. The first workout we ever had. I always tell the story to people because Parksy's an absolute <laughs> specimen. Now he's a savage. He's an animal. <laughs> I see his where this first is going. <laughs> his first ever workout. So his first ever workout. It's before his freshman year of college. He was probably about two and a half to three months out of stepping onto St. Lawrence's campus. And he comes to me, his uh, his advisor at the time. Now he's his agent because he's a professional. Jeff Boston of Was Sports Group, RSG, great guy. Uh, we both know. Um, was like, hey, I got, I got a guy who needs to start training with you. Like he's just he's not in great shape. Yada yada yada. Uh, I ask him. I have a meeting with him. You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What do you need to work on? Blah blah. blah. How often are you training? He's like, I just got to go in in unreal shape. Like, All right. How often are you training? He's like three to four times a week, every single week. Like I'm really working hard. And I was like, okay, like I'm getting a guy who's going D one. He's working out three to four days a week and he's six, seven. And like, he's pretty tight. Like I'm guessing he's going to crush it. He has to do a 300 yard shuttle. So I kind of started off with the baseline test just to see where he's at with that. Since we were a couple months out, <laughs> I think he did it one time. I think his, he was supposed to do it like six times. He did one after the warm up, he's leaking sweat. Like he's dying. We only done a warm up prehab one run. I, I literally thought I was going to have to break out my CPR training. On it. I was like so scared. I was like, dude, I thought you said you've been working out for a couple months, three to four days a week. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I have been, but you know, and it, it, whatever. He just hadn't been doing the kind of training that I do. And, uh, I never thought he would come back. I didn't know him well yet, but he was there the next day and, and he's never missed a workout ever since other than his, uh, yearly Disney world trips, which he takes with his, <laughs> with his longtime girlfriend. He goes to Disney world like twice a summer, every summer. It's the only time he misses any workouts. <laughs> What do you have to say yeah, for yourself? Was, what do you have to say for yourself, Parksy? <laughs> yeah, I got I got a rebuttal here. No, it was uh, you know, obviously it was Vex has a different way of training people and it was it was hard too cuz when when I came to him, I was super raw. So like, you know, in junior hockey like where I played, you know, in the NA, we never had workouts. And you know, I didn't really know what to do and I was going in before my freshman year and I was like, you know, I have to do so many pull-ups, I have to do these shuttle runs and I've never been taught really anything in the gym. So, you know, I was super raw when I came to him. So, you know, he's, he's changed me. He's been awesome. That's funny. Yeah, so that was got- that was my fault as a young trainer, like just taking a guy's word for it. He's in shape, and it, <laughs> it literally scared the crap out of me. I thought I killed him. So actually, Parksy taught me a massive lesson that I don't care how good a shape someone thinks they're in or the eye test. I need to start them off very slowly. So I've obviously learned from from my mistake on that one. But it's something that Parksy and I always laugh about now because the kids see him when when he's leaving the gym or whatever, and they're like, "Oh my god, that guy's an animal. He's dripping wet." And I'm like, hey, you're ahead of him on your day one from where he was. He was going to go to college. So just remember that. 
That's funny. I got a good story for you guys. Uh, actually, kind of relating to that. So my, it would be my sophomore going into my junior year at Cornell. We had uh, we had two defensemen sign uh, early, so we only had like seven D, and we just needed somebody to just be kind of like be a body in practice. So we ended up calling this kid up from the club team to kind of be a practice player. And he, uh, great guy, like, he's from Ithaca, like, his dream was, like, to play Cornell hockey growing up and stuff, so it was a really, really, really neat thing, Um, but it was really funny, so our first workout of the year, he, like, he didn't, it kind of similar, like, he just didn't get it yet, Uh, and so he, like, went out the night before, (laughs) and, like, shows up for 8 o'clock lift. He, he was puking in warm-ups like he, we were doing ladder <laughs> drills and he's like told i gotta i gotta oh i gotta yeah i gotta i gotta remove myself here for a second and it was one of the funniest things we still laugh about it to this day um but just uh just funny just you, you, you don't know until you know right like i remember even working out with you vax when you were living with me and you had never really worked out before and you were a deer in headlights and um, just one of the funniest life-changing moments ever. I think I've spoke about it on the podcast maybe twice, but for anyone that heard that, I went and lived a Topher when he made the USHL when he turned 16, and I was just about to turn 16, and I lived with him to play for a midget major program there. Um, and Tope's working out already. Like he's like he's he's much further through puberty than I am. I don't even know if I had chest hair yet. Um, my voice was higher than it is now, and. Uh, <laughs> And he goes to bench press and I've never bench pressed before, but I see my cousin who I'm taller than him. I'm not bigger than him, but I'm taller than him. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. He reps out 95 pounds. I'll never forget it. 25s on each side. He reps them out like eight times. I get under it. I'm like, Tof can do it. I can do it. Pull the bar off, drop it directly on my throat. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, Topher's an animal. Who is this guy? I need to start working out. That was day one. We all got so you're not story. alone. <laughs> You're not alone, Parksy, but let's take it back a little bit, Parksy, because for the people who, who, you know, haven't read the Instagram or the Twitter or the AHL put a story out about you recently because of what you've been through, um, you talked about that you didn't switch to goalie until peewees in house league. So everyone, Tyler right now is playing in the American hockey league. He's one phone call away from the national hockey league. He is right there playing for a team that is owned by the Phoenix coyotes. He was playing defenseman in house league at peewees. So for all you people that think the world is falling, if your eight year old doesn't make the travel triple a team or whatever, like here's a, a shiny example of someone in today's game that didn't even play triple a hockey. So I know that Jeff boss and your agent first uh, saw you at a stick and puck randomly. So how did that occur and where were you playing and what was going on? Yeah, it was actually at, uh, you know, in St. Louis, it's, uh, it used to be a little old ball, but it was the, uh, um, you know what I'm talking about in South County? I don't even know what it's called now. What is it? What is it called now? Uh, it used to be all, a roller rink. All American. All American. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. So I was at All American, uh, kind of at a stick and pocket. It was kind of this summer team. Um, but my coach, I forgot who my coach, my coach was Clem Plackey and he was, uh, he was coaching me for this high performance, uh, you know, summer, summer team or whatever. It was just, just for fun. And, uh, he's like, Oh, I think like, you know, you have some size, you know, I think, I think there's something there. So he got, I guess he knew Jeff. So he reached out to him and, uh, and Jeff was, was in the stands there. And then I was playing and I guess he saw something in me. So we kind of started talking right after that. And, um, 
you know, kind of went from there about, you know, how maybe he could help me or, you know, like I was super raw at the time. So, you know, what I needed to do, um, obviously from there. So it was a pretty crazy story. So here, I got a question for you because both of you guys have used the term raw, you know, in, in the past little bit here. And, and I would imagine there are some kids that let's call them raw, quote unquote, maybe they haven't hit puberty yet and, and everybody else has, or just maybe a little bit more of a later mature uh, than, than other people or got into the game a little bit later as somebody that was very raw for a long time and is now legitimately playing in, in the AHL. Uh, as Jeff said, what, what would some advice be that you would have to give to somebody kind of like yourself that might be going through it? That's a teenager right now. Yeah, I would just say with me being raw, as as we've been calling it, um, just to kind of be coachable, you know, some of these kids these days, like, you know, some kids who think they're entitled, you know, kind of think that they know everything. And, you know, even kids in high school, you know, they have that kind of arrogancy to them, you know, when with me being raw, I just kind of wanted to just absorb all the information that everyone was saying to me. So, you know, as, as someone would tell me something to do it, you know, I'd always try it at, at least once and, you know, see how I like it. Or, you know, if someone had something that they said I need to work on, then, hey, I was going to work on it. You know what I mean? Just anything that could get me better. So I was just trying to take every little bit of information that everyone gives me and, you know, trying to, to work on whatever they would tell me. So, you know, I took that from a bunch of different people and, you know, I, I tried it and, you know, if I didn't like it, I would, you know, I would know that I didn't like it, but at least I would try, give it a try, no matter who you were. I didn't have any, you know, from where I played, I didn't have any arrogance or anything like that to me. You know, some coach who could have never played hockey could have said something to me and I would have gave it a try. So. That's awesome. I love that. It's funny. I just got done uh, right before this doing like uh, ask me anything uh, little thing on uh, on Facebook and Instagram. And one of the questions that somebody asked was as a college coach, like what are what are a couple things that you look for in players? And for me, the, whenever I get asked that question, because I get asked it a lot, it's, you know, you have to have hockey sense, you have to have competitiveness, but that coachability factor is is so immensely important. It's so immensely important because at the end of the day, if you want to get to the next levels, you have to get better. It doesn't matter. Like, that's the one thing that matters is you have to get better. And you only get better if you're coachable. If you're stubborn in your ways or you think your coach is an idiot and you don't want to listen to anybody and you think you know everything, that is a fast track to going nowhere. That is a fast track to going nowhere. So I'm so happy that you said that because knowing your story and and seeing from where you were to where you got to and then the fact that you're talking about coachability being a huge factor in that, I just – I cannot agree with you anymore. And for all the kids that are listening to this right now, take that to heart because there are people out there that want to help. There are people out there that are coaching that that know a lot of different things. And and for me, the kids that I even coached – that went on to do really good things. They were all coachable. They were kids that I like to say, you only had to tell them to do them what, to do something once and they did it and they did it to the best of their ability. The ones that you had to try and, and beg to do things and the ones that, you know, didn't agree with you. Like they don't, you don't always have to agree and you can voice your opinion, but Hey, like let's, let's be a part of it here. So it's, man, I'm so happy that you said that. I think that's going to go so far with any kid that is listening to this right now. Yeah, exactly. I think just, you know, like whatever someone says, like, you know, they don't have to have the best resume, but sometimes the best coaches don't even have, you know, they weren't even the best players, but you know, anyone who sat down or, you know, been around hockey or, you know, just take 
is say to heart and, you know, give it a try. If you don't like it, then you don't like it, but at least give it a try and, and don't be arrogant to them, you know? Yeah. And, and he's, Parksy's had some unbelievable people in his life that have worked with him and, 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 been there for him through the good times and the bad. And Luke Venker is one of those guys. He runs uh, a, a, a shop called three E goaltending um, out of uh, the Merrimack shark tank here in St. Louis. And Luke is just a guy with a heart of gold. He cares about the guys and the kids. He trains so much. He trains uh, a couple of my goalies, Nicole Hensley and Parksy. And um, you know, like he said, uh, like Tyler talked about earlier, people helping him out. I know Luke has helped him out quite a bit and traded kind of Parksy would work for, uh, Luke with younger kids to kind of pay for his sessions he would do with Luke. And I just, I, I wanted to give Luke a shout out because I don't think Parksy would be where he is today without a guy like Luke in his corner like that. And I don't know how other sports work, but it's just so cool that, that a guy like that is, is helping people so much on a level where maybe he's not even making any money, like, and spending a lot of time with somebody. And, you know, I don't know what their deals were, but like, that's hockey. And that's why I love hockey. And I, I just think it's really cool. And parks, he's uh, been lucky. He's had good people around him. Yeah, he's been, he's been unreal. Um, obviously I met him. I, so I worked a hockey camp in Minnesota where he was an, an instructor and uh, kind of got to, to learn him from there. I've had no previous, you know, goalie coaching before that, and he was still playing at the time. Um, but so I kind of met him there, and we kind of just hit it off and then, you know, got home to St. Louis, and I've never had a goalie coach before, so I was just like, you know, we were – I was kind of the guinea pig, I guess you could say, as he would tell you too, that, you know, he's never been through the process. He didn't know everything. You know, he was still trying to learn and mature as a coach as well. But, uh, you know, like a lot of the feedback I was getting, you know, being a bigger guy and that, you know, the trends that we saw in the NHL too, where, you know, big guys need to be able to skate. So I would go, I think I was 16 in high school. I that's another story too. High school. I didn't even play varsity hockey in St. Louis until my senior year. Yeah. Oh my God. Tove, that is insane. <laughs> I played uh, at varsity is where they put me in my junior year, which is like the second team. <laughs> And then, but that's, that's a whole nother story, but I would go out with Luke. Uh, I would drive about 45 minutes to the Illinois side and, uh, he was working at the rink at the time. So he would get uh free ice whenever it wasn't available. So, uh, there was a whole period that whole summer where I didn't see any pucks. I just worked on them with skating and I was actually out there with uh figure skaters. They said that I could be on the ice as long as there were no pucks. So him and I would just skate. The figure skaters are doing their thing. I'm in full goalie gear, just working on skating with him around the rink the whole time the figure skaters are out there. That is so, amazing. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy story. And for a, for a 16, 17-year-old kid to be in full gear working on skating drills, just trusting his coach, listening to his coach and doing whatever he can to get better. Like with figure skaters out there. I mean, that's parks. Yeah. I hadn't even heard that story. Like that's unbelievable, man. That's that's unreal. And I think so many people need to hear that too. Cause everybody thinks that they need like the hundred dollar an hour skills person, you know, like, and it has to be perfect and like all this different kind of stuff. And here you have, Parksy, who's done amazing things in the game, and he just figured it out. He figured out a way to get better. And 
I just, I feel like so many people nowadays, it, it has to be so professional and it has to be such like so cookie cutter and, and, and all that. And it just doesn't, you just need to work hard. You need to surround yourself with good people and you need to work hard. That's like, that's it. And so I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit heated about this stuff right now because I'm going through the youth hockey racket and there's just so much unnecessary stupid professionalism and making it so serious like so soon and this is just a great example of somebody just ragtagging it and and just getting better yeah it's all from within and it's like parents want that secret sauce they want that secret coach they want that secret weapon and it's like man like if your son or daughter doesn't want to work hard they're not going to get better they're not going to achieve the goals that they say they have so i think it's it's kind of teaching your children and the players that play for you if you're a coach what it takes to be successful that doesn't mean you can't stop working you have to work all the time you got to do this it's be unstructured sometimes have fun every single day and and like i know sometimes i get a little bit nervous now in this new gym that i have because there's windows from the lobby of the rink and from the ice to look into the gym and as parks you'll tell you like we have fun every single day we always start off after mobility and stuff we start off with some kind of coordination hand eye foot eye i love playing other sports like with different rules that will focus on things that i want to be focusing on that day and if you didn't know what we were doing you'd be like people are paying this guy to train them and do this but like it's it's that it's that thing it's like i know that that helps the guys get motivated and we're working on skills in a fun way and it's not that like professional like drill sergeant like no you don't need to do that man the the, the kids just got to want to be there yeah exactly i think you know too with with coaches you know like obviously with guys like luke in my career guys like you you know guys like jeff guys who have you know, shown me how much they care about me too. And, you know, like someone like, obviously, you know, bringing it back to my mom being a single mom, but you know, someone who's willing to put in time with, you know, someone at that point, you know what I mean? I, I was, I was raw. I didn't know what I was doing, but you know, someone who shows that they truly care about you as a, as a person and as an individual, you know, I think that goes, you know, miles for me as a player, you know what I mean? I knew every time I was out there, you know, this guy was giving me lessons for free, so I'm not going to sit out there and waste his time. You know what I mean? He's he's trying to do something to better me and to help me. So, you know, like it's surrounding yourself with, you know, people who care about you and, you know, who want to get you better. Love that, man. Well, I mean, that I feel like that epitomizes a lot of your story in, in the work ethic that you have. And, and Jeff has talked about you on the podcast and stuff. And it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking here and I'm looking at your Elite Prospects page and, and the teams that you played for and stuff. And, it, <laughs> dude, it's like it's incredible. Uh, and it starts like at the beginning, too. So from when you started playing junior hockey, like I legitimately don't even know what league this is. The GLJHL. I don't, I've never freaking heard of it. And I'm a is college that coach. Are those, that was my that was my job is to know that stuff, and I don't even. I don't even. So, like, what is the GLH GLJHL that where you started? Yeah, so um, another one of my crazy stories, but um, yeah, so I was obviously no one in my family knew anything about hockey. Didn't know about the OHL, major junior, you know, nothing like that. Um, I believe the. NCAA Frozen Four was in was in St. Louis that year when Bishop was with Maine and Jeff Lurg was with Michigan State, and uh, my mom bought me tickets to to go there. So her and I went to that tournament. We watched it, and I was like, "This is the sickest thing ever. This is the coolest thing ever." I was like, "I'm in love." And then 
the next year I, I watched the tournament on ESPN and then uh, I kind of looked from there and kind of like I, uh, I was like mom like I would look at her on the couch I was like mom I really want to like play for one of these teams and uh, so I'm looking and I'm kind of I was like I wonder like how you play there and like we we didn't know so I just like pulled up the rosters and was looking at like where the, the other guys on the team played so like going through the list and you know saw they played junior hockey in this league this league this league I was like I guess I got to start playing junior hockey so I I um I tried out for you know obviously not playing triple a you know how hockey is you know sometimes I was like I'm probably not going to make the St. Louis junior blues in St. Louis so I, I uh one of the teams was the Great Lakes Junior Hockey League. So the team called the Illinois Frontenacs. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go here. Um, you know, tried out there, ended up making it. Um, you know, it's, it, I think the league folded after like two years. <laughs> and then, uh, so I, pl- I played there two years. And then, uh, you know, after after that year, I was like, okay, like I think I was 18 or 19 years old. So I was taking classes in college because obviously I didn't know anything about it but I tried out for the St. Louis Junior Blues after my two my one year or two years in the Great Lakes Junior Hockey League and then I was cut the first round for the St. Louis Junior Blues in the NA3HL and then uh, that same year I ended up making the Springfield Blues I just went to an open goalie camp in the NAHL so that's (laughs) kind of how I started my my hockey career uh, in the NAHL that's insane man is unreal. Yeah. I thought it was like the good Lord Jesus hockey league. Like, what <laughs> is? I was like, G, J, uh, H. Thank you, H. <laughs> Did I hear a Niner in there? Was there a Niner yeah, in there? Exactly. Wow. CLJHL All Star. So, how did you? So, you were in Springfield and then you ended up in Minot. And and then you ended up going to St. Lawrence. What was that process like getting to, you know, this four years of, of playing junior hockey and then you end up at St. Lawrence. What what was that process like to get there? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So, you know, like I started with, you know, the Great Lakes Junior Hockey League and then getting cut from the St. Louis Junior Blues, you know, and then making Springfield that same year in the NA. Um, you know, I think that was where I kind of really got, you know, like starting to get noticed was when I played in the NA. Um, was I was like a third goalie there, so we had the the owner's son was a goalie there, and oh, then uh, one of the other goalies was uh, coming out of uh, Minnesota High School hockey, which you know obviously as you guys know is a really good hockey league. I think he won the state championship that year for Edina. So um, just coming out of there, and then I think he got hurt that year, so which which allowed me to finally get some games, and I knew I knew like from looking at, you know, the NCAA division one rosters and, you know, where I wanted to play, I, I finally ended up getting in the game and I was like, here's my chance. You know what I mean? Like I have a chance to, you know, make an impact at this level and to play at this level and, you know, work towards the dream of a hat that I have of playing D one hockey. So then I, I played that one game and then I ended up having a really good game. So from there it kind of took off. I think I, you know, I was still in that role where I was a, you know, third, second goalie, that year but I ended up playing I think it was like 20 games 22 games something around there and then uh, my next year um, you know I got traded to my next year was crazy because that was my my age out year at juniors was the year I got traded from Springfield they're like hey you're gonna go to Minot Um, you know I saw I saw I was like the last place place team and I you know I was a little concerned going in my last year but it, it came out to be the best thing that happened to me um 
I'll go to talk about that a little more. But so uh, Jeff, actually, my you know my advisor, got me a tryout my last year with uh, the London Knights in the OHL as an overager, my my 21 year old year. So. I kind of w- I went to London and then uh, I think Max Domi was on the team. You know, you had some big names and they were at the tryouts. I ended up getting a shutout. Uh, you know, at the main camp there in London, and they're like, "Hey, like, you know, we didn't know who you were, but you know, you had a really good camp." So the goalie coach like came up to me. He's like, "Hey, if you need anything, here's my card." Um, so then he ended up calling the Muskegon Lung- Lumberjacks um, of the USHL. So I ended up going there for a month. Uh, you know, same thing kind of happened. They're like, hey, you know, like you're in your last year of juniors. You know, like I was there for a month. Uh, the goalie, the goalie who were there was actually a Cornell guy, uh, Hayden Stewart. Oh, and, uh, Stewie. Jordan Uhelski. Yeah, so they were there, and um, I was there for a month. And then, you know, same thing, kind of, you know, you're kind of too old. You want to go in a younger direction. So then I went down to Minot and uh, ended up having one of the best coaches I've played for in uh, Marty Murray. Um, he was, you know, a legend in Canada, won world juniors for Canada, played in the NHL. And he's like, he's like, Hey, you know what Parksy, like, you know, we really wanted you from Springfield. He's like, you know, we only won, uh, eight games or whatever it was last year, but he's like, Hey, if you come in here and start winning games, uh, he's like, people are going to, you're going to turn heads. People are going to notice why we're winning games. So, uh, I ended up going there and it, you know, uh, we had a good group of guys and it ended up being the best thing that happened to me. Uh, obviously, you know, I got a division one scholarship with St. Lawrence and, uh, Chris Mayotte was the guy who actually recruited me there. He's a, I think he's a Michigan now. Chris Mayotte started his coaching career living in my house as the volunteer at Cornell. Yeah. He's, a, he's another yeah. hardworking guy. He's awesome. Yeah. He does such a good job. He's a really good guy for sure. What is what a connect like random small world connection? That's oh, unbelievable. Dude, there's so many random little. It's not even wow. random, man. Once you get yeah. you get connected, it's just it's such a small world. But yeah, Mayo's. I remember that. I remember when he recruited you there because uh, I remember seeing this huge dude <laughs> on the other side. Um, so that's that's really cool. So so how was your experience at uh, at St. Lawrence? Because you get there. Um, yeah, I would imagine you had to kind of work your way up again, uh, just like you freaking have your entire life. So what was that like, uh, finally getting the chance to be a part of a D1 program? Yeah, it was incredible. Obviously, you know, from, from where I was watching, you know, these guys on TV to, you know, finally being, you know, there with those guys. And, uh, I thought it was, it was amazing experience for me. You know, I never really had equipment bought for me before from anybody. So it was cool to kind of you know, pick out my own pads and, you know, sticks. And, you know, I was just, I was just so happy to be there. And I ended up loving it. Like I had the best classmates, classmates ever. I loved everything about St. Lawrence, you know, the guys, the hockey, everything about it. So uh, it it was a really good experience for me. Obviously, you know, uh, the circumstances, you know, with my NCAA eligibility issues, uh, because I took classes because I didn't know anything about, you know, college hockey and then so i started my clock early because i took uh half semester when i was playing in the great lakes junior hockey league uh i took a half semester uh of being a full-time student so that started my clock in 2010 when i when i graduated high school so i only had three years of eligibility wow crazy okay yeah that makes 
that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so for all of the people out there listening that are wondering what that means, so when you become a full-time student and you take uh, the amount of college credits to be a full-time student, your clock starts. So basically what the NCAA says is you have five years to complete four years. So when... Uh, you know, when your clock starts, you can redshirt one year, but and then you have, you know, the other four years that you have within that five years to be able to finish your degree. So the fact that you started your clock that early, I mean, that's just, that's just tough luck, man. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, you know, when they ruled that I only, you know, I had a, a, a guy, the athletic director at St. Lawrence was obviously working on my situation, but you know, the NCAA didn't really budge. Uh, there with that you know they're pretty strict on on the rules and you know there's no really gray area with with those rules I mean sometimes you can find it but yeah and then you know from going on from there you know it was tough for me to leave St. Lawrence Um, you know obviously the coaches wanted to go in a different direction you know with with the guys they were playing and I think I only played like 10 games in two years and I, I like once again I you know knew that from there I wanted to play you know I had my eyes set on you know wanting to play pro hockey and you know everything like that and um it was it was hard to leave but my teammates understood you know they were they were really awesome I still talk to some of them today uh from St. Lawrence but they're like yeah we get it like you want to play and, and you deserve to play so you know I was supposed to uh from there I was supposed to transfer to uh, Nebraska Omaha um and then the NCAA ruled again that I would have had to redshirt another year. So I didn't want to sit out a year, So which, which brought me to uh, Adrian College um, with uh, Adam Krug as the coach there, who's Tory Krug's brother from it's Boston. a good man, Adam Krug. Unreal coach. Yeah, exactly. So Jeff kind of was like, you know, uh, you know, my goal was to play pro hockey. So from there, it was, I think... I didn't really have anything because um, I couldn't redshirt in Nebraska Omaha. So he was, um, he was like, Hey, you know what? Like, I think you should, you know, go here. So as soon as um, school started at Adrian college, I ended up enrolling there. I think I missed the first week of school (laughs) because I ended up enrolling, enrolling uh, there. So. Wow. So you went, so so you went from, so let me get this straight. So you go from the, what did you call it? The, Something Jesus Hockey League? Good Lord Jesus Jesus Hockey League League that I've never heard of to uh, getting cut in the North American League but then finding your way onto a North American Hockey League. Uh, While you were in the Great Lakes Jesus Hockey League, you started your eligibility, so now you're kind of screwed from a year's standpoint. Then you couldn't transfer after you left St. Lawrence. So now in your story that has ended up playing in the AHL right now, um, now you're in Division Three hockey. So you went from junior leagues we never heard of, cutting junior hockey, not playing Division One. Now you're in Division Three. Okay, like this is this is just juicy. This is just incredible. Like such an unbelievable story, man. So talk talk to us about playing D three and what that experience was like. Yeah, it was a good experience. You know, obviously it's you know it's a little bit different from uh, you know Division One, but I, I actually what are, really what are the differences? What are the differences, Parksy? I think the difference is definitely work ethic, uh, you know, with, with some guys, I think that, you know, some guys are kind of over, you know, what they think they can do and pursuing hockey and they just kind of, you know, work towards their degree. But I mean, you get other guys who have aspirations to play pro and, you know, they work hard every day and, you know, come in 
come in every day and give it everything they got. So I think that was just the biggest, you know, um, biggest difference from me playing division one to division three, but the hockey's still really good in division three. You know, you have like your disparities between teams, but, but in the division I was in, you know, with Adrian Cowles, the division was really good. You know, you have like school, like St. Norbert's, uh, Wisconsin, Stevens point. So we always kind of battled back and forth with them. And, you know, the way, the way Adam Krug kind of runs it, you know, he runs it like a division one program where, you know, you have workouts and, you know, he's, he's really teaching guys like trying to get them better. So, yeah, yeah, he does a fantastic job. Really good dude. So, okay, so let's move on. So you play the one year at, at Adrian and then I'm looking at your, your sheet and over the next two years, you play for eight different teams because you're being loaned from the SPHL to the East Coast League. Uh, again, for our listeners, he's playing in the AHL right now, and this is three years ago. So what was that experience like? Like that, How much sandpaper did you build in your inner core uh, having to go through two years like that where you're up and down and up and down? And it's not even, it's not even like NHL, AHL up and down. We're talking about SP to, to the coast here. So what, 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 what kind of things did you learn about yourself during that? Yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy actually. So obviously, you know, I signed, um, you know, out of Adrian College. I know nothing about pro hockey, absolutely nothing. Don't no expectations. Don't know anything. So I get to uh, the ECHL. I'm on a tryout again. So I get to, uh, you know, Elmira, New York is where I started with the Elmira Jackals. They're not a team anymore, but they That's were. Where I started my pro that, career too, Parksy. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure, as you know, it's uh, it's an interesting. It was an interesting organization. So I kind of got kind of got my start there, and um, so I, I played in some preseason games. You know, I got to shut out my first preseason game, but you know, as you know, being a goalie, there's there's only two spots, and you know, most NHL teams have so many contracts where you know there's two NHL contracted goalies in the ECHL, which you know makes it hard. That's their property. You know, that's their priority. But uh, so I was I was there for camp, and then I um, had to go down to the SPHL uh, because they had uh, a couple NHL contracted goalies there. So then I and then I just kind of just bounce around between the SPHL and the ECHL that year. Um, but in Elmira, I was um, like I said, I had no expectations. But I get to they put me in this apartment, and it's uh, you know you can see it from you can see the rink from, from the apartment. So I walk in this place, uh, walk in the door, uh, there's no door. And I was, and the, there was a hair salon and I was like, is this the apartment? There's a hair salon in the bottom floor and there's no door. So they're like, uh, no, you're, you're upstairs. So I walk upstairs and this place is, I think it was built in the 1880s. It's, you know, it's just wood. It's a mess. There's stuff everywhere. The uh, the bathtub's blue, <laughs> and uh, just so old. And I I asked my roommate, I was like, uh, "How long have you been living here?" And he's like, "Oh, I've been." And he played he played at Union. It was uh, Mark Bennett, uh, actually. I was like, "How long have you been living here?" He's like, "Oh, I've been living here the whole year." And I was like, uh, "You were you wear sandals in the shower?" It was like it was pretty bad. It looked like everyone's been murdered in the shower. Like you couldn't even cook in there. I was like, you know, it was my first first thing a pro experience and i was like oh man i was like you just gotta 
just got to stay motivated. Just got to keep, keep grinding and just come to work every day. So, you know, that was, that was my first pro experience, you know, kind of dealing with that and then, you know, bouncing around. I think I learned a lot about myself, you know, just to, just to keep working hard every day, you know, no matter where you are, the game doesn't change. Um, you know, it's the same game you've been playing since you're two and, you know, just to make sure that you work hard, try to be the first one on the ice, try to be the last one off, you know, it's something I've kind of tried to live by. So, it's crazy, Tell. I remember during the, during that year and the, and the following year, like, you know, I talked to Parksy probably more than a lot of the pros and college guys that that train with me uh, throughout the seasons. We'll talk like once a month, maybe once every two months. <clears throat> and I remember him calling me and texting me a lot that you're just like very frustrated as far as like he's getting there early and like just the most ridiculous things would happen. Like guys, just, just such crazy stories where this guy is just so dedicated and he works out four days a week in the summer. He's got a goalie coach. He works with every single day. You're having to pull him off the ice in the summer and he goes and plays in the SPHL where, and I'm not saying everybody, I'm not going to generalize, but you know, he just felt like nobody here want, has the same goals as me. Nobody here has the same dreams as me and nobody's kind of like working towards that. And it was, it was a toxic environment. I remember him telling me like it was just hard for him to, to, to like get better because no one else was helping him to get better. No one was going out early to shoot on him. And he just found a way to freaking claw his way out of there. And I absolutely love it. Well, Parksy, that's that's awesome, man, and it's so funny hearing your story right now because it's making me reflect upon my my story because I started in, in Elmira too, and so I, I finished up my season at Cornell. I uh, had, had what I like to say a pretty good career there and then went and played the playoffs with Elmira and did really well and ended up signing there for the next year. And it was really interesting because in that training camp the next year, you, you start off, I was just a one-way coast guy, five foot four, a little pudgy kid. <laughs> and uh, um, like playing first line, playing all these minutes. And then, you know, it seemed like every game there were two or three forwards that kept coming back from the A. And then my ice time, due to nothing about my play but just the fact of the contract situation just kept getting lower and lower and lower and then eventually a week or two into it I ended up getting released and coming from you know as well as I feel like I did in college to getting released from the coast based upon nothing that I really did other than the situation and what it was uh it's funny to hear your story right now because I feel like one of my biggest regrets is I had a chance to either go to another East Coast League team or go play in the Central League after I got released from Elmira. And the the Coast was a little bit more like, okay, work your way up to play in the NHL. You still kind of got a shot. And then going down to the Central League was kind of like, all right, you're just going to go play hockey. And I was so frustrated with the fact that it was out of my control why I got cut. And so I was like, I just want to play hockey now. Like, I don't even care. I just want to go and have fun and play hockey. And it's one of my biggest regrets because sitting here listening to your story, you know, you did the opposite of me. You know, you fought through it. You said, I don't really like I'm going to make it like and I like I kind of like lost a belief in myself. And I still think about that to this day. And, and, and it's one of my biggest regrets in my life is not doing what you did so how how hard was that for you to keep getting kind of out of no fault of your own like I think you said you had a shutout in in your game and then you're getting cut freaking a week later or whenever it was how hard was that for you to keep keep going it's called getting on tough <laughs> will you stop yeah, swearing was, was... jeez Jeff <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
No, it was like, it was really tough, but, you know, I think I've just always kind of had that burning desire, you know, from, from St. Louis, you know, whatever I'd, whatever I get cut from a team or, you know, someone wouldn't believe in me, that would, that would make me work harder and fuel me even more. You know, there's like, there's so many people in St. Louis, you know, told me I'd never go anywhere, you know, like from the, you know, the St. Louis Junior Blues, like, you know, getting cut first round there, like that really kind of pissed me off, like, to be honest with you, if we're being completely honest. And it really just kind of fueled my fire and, you know, from getting cut from, you know, double A when I was a youth. But it would just always, like, I always had that desire where, you know, like, all these people are saying that I can't do it and I'm never going to go anywhere. Like, in high school, too, like, never playing varsity till my senior year, everyone's like, you know, you're not going to go anywhere, you're not going to do this. And I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. You know what I mean? That That's what motivates me every day is just to prove people wrong and keep raising my game to a different level every time I'm there. And, you know, same, same in pro, you know, like a coach would cut me, you know, due to those circumstances and, uh, you know, or I get one game every 10 games. And, you know, if I didn't have the best game, you know, they'd be like, Oh, like you're, uh, you're not, you're not like an ECHO goalie. So, you know, I think that would just fuel my fire even more and like kind of burned inside of me where, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that level. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it. You tell me I can't, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure I do it just to prove you wrong. I think that's kind of, kind of how I, I kind of got through, you know, you know, being in the SP2 where, you know, guys are kind of stagnant. They're like, you know, some guys get into the bottle and, you know, they just don't want to play hockey and, you know, you just kind of got to fight through, you know, where you're at and, you know, when it comes to game time and practice time, make sure you're giving 110% and just working to get better, working to prove people wrong every day, day in and day out. Dude, that's that's amazing, and I think for like the listeners here, I feel like the listeners probably know me pretty well. We're ninety whatever episodes in, and 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 I made a life doing out of the same things that you didn't have in that same attitude. You know, five foot four, and was able to accomplish some pretty awesome things in hockey. And it was because of that I had to prove people wrong from the time I was five years old. <laughs> and and that just it, to honestly, it it goes to show you how special of an individual you are. Because I sit here thinking about myself and the things that I value being the same things that you did. And I, I didn't get through it, you know, and, and I I'm sitting here 10, whatever years later thinking about, man, like I wish I had, like I had a lot of what you are Parksy, but I didn't, it's so special that you were able to, to, to do it. I, cause I wasn't. And it's just, it's a testament to your fortitude. It's a testament. I would sure, honestly, it's probably a testament to your mom and the way that she raised you, uh, as well. The fact that you're able to keep that kind of attitude and still want to prove people wrong like that. So I, it's funny, man, I've, I'm almost getting emotional right now. Just like even thinking about, um, the, the decisions that I, that I made at that time and, and just kind of letting go and, and, and not pursuing that ultimate dream that, that I wanted. Um, and it just it's 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 incredible man i mean it's a testament to, to to everything that you're about it's very very cool to be able to hear your story and i think a lot of people hearing that are going to going to reflect on some of the decisions that they made or are going to make it's just it's awesome man yeah, all right me parksy <laughs> respond to that no it's all good and and <clears throat> something that I remember, I, I give this speech to everyone that I train when I first meet with them, if I've never met them before or whatever. And I say it to my team every year and I said it on this podcast multiple times. And I remember giving this speech to Parksy 
many, many times over the last seven, eight years is it's a Mike Hastings speech and it's something that I tried to live by and, and I'm trying to live by now too. He said, you never want to be that guy. We were 18 at the time, 17 at the time. He said, you never want to be that guy when you're 30 years old, sitting on a bar stool, having a drink with your buddies, looking back going, I wish I would have done X. I wish I would have done why I wish I would have done this differently. And, and when, when those times get hard, it's like, you just got to think that way because everyone's going to go through hard times. Everyone's going to fail, but the best players use those failures like Parksy, the people who are able to overcome insurmountable odds like Tyler Parks has already done is because they just, they don't give up. They use those failures to motivate them. They want to prove people wrong. They want to prove their inner self, right? And you just got to stay true to that. If that's what your goals are, because you don't want to look back and and be like, man, I wish I would have done blank. Yeah. I also think, you know, to add to that too, you know, it's like, you know, surrounding yourself around people, you know, like having a good support system that, you know, believes in you too, that, you know, we'll, we'll push you through the bad times, you know, like, you know, my family, my girlfriend, Vex, you know, we have, we have Luke, you know, my agent and stuff like that, you know, that just kind of, you know, these believe in you and no matter how much you just keep getting it on, you know, it's like, you still have that passion, that like desire inside you just to, you know, go out and, and prove people wrong and, you know, just keep working at it no matter, you know, what, what the circumstances were, you know, like, when I, when I got sent down that first time from the SP, I got, uh, you know, I got cut from the, from one of the SP teams. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, Oh man, like my first, cause I got sent down from Elmira and then I went to Evansville and I got cut from, uh, one of the SP teams, the Evansville Thunderbolts. And I was like, <laughs> Oh man, like, I just want to, I just want to play like what next, you know what I mean? Like, where do I go from next? And then, you know, I got picked up by another team there and, you know, was very successful there. So, you know, it's just in those moments when you want to give up, you just got to think to yourself that you just got to prove yourself, look yourself in the mirror and, you know, do say, I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, to get there. So that's so cool, man. That's, that's unreal. So, so let's go through it. So from the 2017 season on, all right, so you got, and we'll get, we'll get to the good stuff here because we, we've talked a lot about this stuff. So you go Evansville, Peoria, Missouri, Elmira, Peoria, Redding, Florida, Tulsa, Rapid City, and now you, you've got a shot playing in, in Tucson, which is Phoenix, or not Phoenix, the Arizona Coyotes AHL team, and, and you've done well so far there too. Just, I mean, you got a 920 save percentage in the games that you've played. Um, what was that like, that moment when you got the call to, to play in the AHL, one step away from the ultimate dream of playing in the NHL? What was that like? It was, it was unbelievable. You know, I was, uh, I was kind of, I, I didn't expect it at all. So we were in uh, Allen, Texas, you know, getting ready to uh, play a game. And it was, uh, I wasn't watching the Arizona game or anything like that. It was about midnight. And uh, I get a text from, or I get a phone call from a Nashville number. And I was like, Nashville number. I don't know anybody from Nashville. I'm not going to pick up the phone. And then uh, right after, right after the phone call, uh, you know, went to voicemail. I got a text message. It just said, uh, "Hey, this is Steve Sullivan, uh, assistant GM of the Coyotes. Uh, give me a call when you can." So of course, immediately I call him, and he's like, uh, "You know, uh, Darcy can't bring him down in today's game. You know, we need a goalie. We've been watching you and everything you've been doing in Rapid City, and you know, we think you, you know, would be a good fit. We'd like to have you." So. It was unbelievable, but, you know, a lot of circumstances, you know, had to happen, you know, for me, because coming into this, you know, Arizona had a lot of, 
you know, contracted goalies, but then um, one was down to came down to Rapid City, and he ended up terminating his contract to go back to Sweden, um, which he's playing in. Uh, I think he's playing the SHL right now. And then uh, another one, you know, had had hip surgery, so you know, I kind of got kind of caught a break, you know, with you know guys in their system being injured, and you know that's why I was given a shot because you know they have. NHL contracts, so they're more of a priority for Arizona, you know, than than I am. It's just just the way the business works and just how it is. So, you know, and then I was I was just you know I was so excited and so pumped to to finally get that call. And you know, I talked to Vex a lot this summer, where you know that was my goal. I set for myself uh, this summer. I was like, I want to play in the AHL. I want to be a difference maker in the AHL. I want to play games this year in the AHL. So when I got that call, I was just, you know, ecstatic, just, you know, whatever they need from me, whether, you know, same thing, you know, like here, I got to work my work my way up, you know, it, it never gets easy. And, and every day you're on the ice, you're going to get judged. So you got to, you got to bring everything you have every day to practice, to, to workouts, to, to the games. So I was just, just so ecstatic to get that phone call and, you know, to, to be playing at this level. Unbelievable, man. D three to cut to from an SP team to you're called up to the AHL right now. It's it's insane, Parksy. It is just so special, man. For all yeah, the listeners awesome. out there right now, too, Vex is uh, it's a little dusty over in uh, Vex's room right now. He's got some tears going. I mean, that's really cool. I mean, Parksy, you talk about how important your network is and how important you surround you. Uh, how important the people are that you surround yourself with. Here's this trainer that's kind of been with you for the whole way, and uh, he's tearing up just hearing you talk about your story. And, and you need people like that in your corner, and I think all the people that listen to this podcast understand and know how much Vex cares about the guys that that, uh, that he works with. And it's just very, very cool, like on this side of it, seeing you guys on the computer kind of have this little moment here. It's uh, It's touching. It's very, very touching. It's raining in here, yeah. bro. That's, <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> no, Vex, is, Vex has just been such a like influential person, you know, in my life. And, you know, not just my career, but it's like outside the gym, you know, too. Like, obviously, you know, you know, his big slogan is give more, be more. But, you know, it's it's so true. You know what I mean? You have to you have to give everything you got every day. And, you know, you know, think about, you know, something higher than yourself, you know, every day. And, you know, he's been super influential in my career, obviously, when he started working with me and, you know, teaching me the right ways to go about everything, like how to be a pro, how to how to be in the gym. You know, he's been there through the bad times and the good times with me, you know. I mean, he he's with me when I was in the SP, you know, and he, you know, he's like, he knew he saw potential in me. He saw what I could be and, and you know what I mean? And, and in the gym, he never, uh, he's always hard on me, you know. He never lets me take a day off, so so I love it. Uh, you know, you wouldn't take a day off anyways, but uh, going back real quick to an SP story, I, I got a text from somebody that, that told me that uh, there was one time you sent someone a text, it was a picture of the rink, and you circled the net on the snap, and you said, that's where I make my food stamps. How much money, if you don't mind <laughs> us asking, what's the least amount of money that you made like during a season or you know, like what your contract was in the SPHL for the listeners? Yeah, so um so yeah, my first year in the SP, I believe I was making $200 a week. So, and then Yeah, and then uh my coach, my coach um in the SP, I'm not going to name names for uh certain reasons, but uh he didn't like when guys got called up too much uh to the coast. 
So he, uh, you know, he, like the second time I had to come back, he's like, oh, all I have is 225 to give you my second year. So I uh, didn't, get, <laughs> didn't get much of a raise. But, um, yeah, it was like, it was hard. Uh, obviously, you know, I've been there with Vex in the summer and it's, you know, you got bills to pay, you got, you know, you got, you have to have money to live on. So I actually was working, uh, <laughs> it's a funny story, but while I was training with him, actually, I, the first job I had was I was working for a fulfillment agency in a cave. Uh, so it's like this like quarry in, in, in St. Louis and it's like an Amazon where all the fulfillment orders for Amazon go. So you kind of just go in there and you kind of just fill the boxes, fill the orders, the online orders come in, you just fill them. So you kind of run around. So I would like skate in the morning and then I would train with Vex. And then as soon as I was done doing that, I'd go to work and work there from like 5 PM to 10 PM in the cave, uh, just filling orders. And uh, Max, Max gave me a hard time because he's like, "You're gonna be tired. You need to get rest." And and he's he's big on big on that kind of stuff. So and then uh, he kind of helped me this summer, uh, kind of get a job with a marketing agency and kind of helping find influencers on social media. Shout out, Jord. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Jord? Thank you for hiring our boy. Yeah. And everyone loves Parksy there too. Obviously, I wouldn't recommend uh, any of my guys who are who are not good people, and they absolutely love Parksy. And I remember when I commented on Instagram when he got called up, and I messaged the the Roadrunners, the team that he plays with right now, and I was like, "You guys need to do a story on Tyler. Like, you need to find out where this guy's been because fans will love that, and it'll just endear them. And people need to know like where this guy's been and why he's going to make it to the NHL because he's never stopped and cut from the SPHL, and he's still friggin' and going so uh yeah they, the the company he worked with yord uh yod is a st louis company and they were all over it on instagram and very proud of him so pretty cool yeah it was, it was it's been pretty crazy you know like to kind of you know i don't really think about my career from you know start start to finish but it's just kind of has been crazy you know like same thing with you know going back to the sp i remember when you know, I didn't have anything in the, uh, like, I didn't have anything in the coast, uh, no real options. So I would just, I found a, I found an email list of all the coaches' contact number in the coast. So I would follow the transactions daily and kind of look to see where the movement was going. And then I'd just reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I'm playing here right now. Would you, would you do you guys need a goalie? Um, would you guys give me an opportunity? So I kind of went down the list, uh, probably called mostly every coach in the ECHL, uh, kind of asking for an opportunity. So pretty crazy. That's unreal, man. That is just, that's so cool. And, and such an inspiring story for, for anybody that's listening to hear, uh, especially the young kids who aspire to do what you did and, um, you can make it. I mean, it's, uh, it's, if you have the, the support system like you had and, and you have the work ethic and the drive and, and the ability to handle adversity, I mean, you, the sky's the limit for anybody. I hate when people put ceilings on, on people and, and the fact that you've been able to do what you did, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated right now. I'm inspired right now. Just having been on here with you and, uh, you know, it's just so, so cool to hear your story. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to really love to to learn more about Tyler Parks after this one, that's for sure. A hundred percent. 
Perksy, uh, before we get off with you here, I, I asked Instagram and Twitter if anybody had any questions for you to just rip them off real quick. So let's do a lightning round. Just answer as quickly as you can. And well, there's only a couple here, but we'll see what uh, what you come up with. So the first one, uh, ask him to tell the listeners about the Grit Factory. What's the Grit Factory? That's from Alex Router 9 on Instagram. Oh, I recruited him to Cornell too. Routes. Love it. <laughs> So yeah, the uh, Grid Factory is our bus in Rapid City. Uh, it looks kind of looks like an old cattle hauler, but um, I was talking to the boys back there, and the uh, management ended up getting rid of it. So uh, they're flying everywhere now. So uh, wow. so yeah, the Grid Factory was a bus they had for I don't even probably had a billion miles on it. <laughs> um, just would break down every trip. Uh, I remember a couple trips this year. The uh, the back gate was hanging off, and we thought our gear was going to fly on the highway. But, uh, but yeah, the, the management's been really good. Uh, they have new owners in Rapid City, so they're, they're amazing. The new president's amazing, trying to do everything that he can to, to make everything better for the boys. So they ended up selling the bus now, so uh, the boys are flying everywhere. There we go. All right. That. That's unreal. This, this one comes from Nicole Hensley, who obviously you train and train, work out with. Oh, yeah, by the way, Tof, uh, Tyler trains a lot with – Nicole Hensley, a woman, a female hockey player. I think that's pretty cool. He's in the AHL and he trains a lot with Nicole Hensley in the same workout group. So she's just a badass. So is he. Uh, Nicole said, does being a heavy sweater contribute to your success? Is he asking, wait, is he asking, or sorry, is she asking Tyler or is she asking you? No, 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 Tyler. Tyler. Oh, no, but, but. She yes, could... I have a sweating problem. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, definitely after going through Vex's workout, after his dynamic warm-up, I'm already just leaking everywhere. So, <laughs> you, you, know, you know, I think it definitely has some contribution there. And, uh, you know, it's good that she, she kind of pushes me, you know, to get better every day along with him. So it's nice having people to work to surround yourself with in the gym, you know, push you to get better every day. So, you know, she's one of those persons for sure. You're you're lucky that she doesn't mind like pushing you if we're doing some kind of weird drill that I come up with because you are this. There's not many people that sweat more than me, but this guy is buckets every workout. <laughs> it is gross. Every every time, every time, it never fails. All right, a couple more. Dylan Lee, ask him what was the most educating thing about playing in Rapid City and working with Batman and how he carried that on to Tucson. Yeah, so our uh, so our goalie coaches, uh, his nickname is Batman in Rapid City. He's uh, his numbers retired there. He was a he was a legend there. Um, but it's been good, you know. He's such a humble person and like the nicest guy ever. So it's been good to work with him and kind of learn from a guy you know who had success in the ECHL, had success in the you know everywhere he's played, and kind of how he goes about everything you know day to day. And from you know the Rapid standpoint. Um, Obviously, I can't thank the coach enough there for giving me an opportunity that, you know, no other coach in that league gave me to, you know, start games and uh, to, you know, really prove what I could do. And a guy like that who's always believed in me. So Rapid City has been an unreal spot for me. It's been, you know, it's been amazing. I can't say enough good things about, uh, you know, about Rapid City. Uh, So. One more from Rojo2255 on Instagram. How does he afford so many trips to Disney on a minor league salary? <laughs> also, ask about how he takes clappers from the slot on his little cousin. That's uh, that's my uncle. So that's actually the one who, uh, you know, I who played roller hockey, who I kind of, you know, wanted to play play after that. So, you know, my cousins are 
my cousins are starting to play hockey now, and then one's a goalie. They wanted to they wanted to be like uh, be like me and start playing goalie. So, you know, you got you can't make it easy on them. You gotta you gotta go hard on them. So, you know, sometimes I'll go out there with the summer and work with them, and you know, kind of try to teach them everything I know. And you know, hopefully they don't have to have the crazy path if they want to you know play hockey or whatever they want to do that I had to take. So, well, I'll tell you what it's it's it's. I don't know if it shaped you. I think you would have been a great person even without this crazy path you you've been put on. But uh, you're a special person, man, and I don't think many people could could do what you have done. Um, and I and I just got to say one more thing to anybody listening to this: if you want to watch a funny YouTube video, um, I was making promotional videos for a hockey store. He's gonna hate me for saying this, but I've been uh, waiting to pull this out at some point. I, don't know where this is going. I was waiting until he'd be in the NHL, but like, well, I'll use it right now. Total Hockey was this uh, this mm-hmm. hockey store in St. Louis that uh, that when I was playing in the summers, they'd contract me to make videos for them on ice, off ice, uh, some stick reviews, stuff like that. So one day they're like, "Hey, we." we couldn't get a normal goalie. Can you get somebody who's like pretty decent? And Parksy, like we've talked about on the podcast, you know, he, he, he needed money. And I was like, Parksy, they want you to come and do a, a video where, you know, I'm just going to take a ton of shots on you. I'm sure it's a stick review. So they're only going to put the goals on there and almost <laughs> no saves. And he's like, well, this hurt my career. So we legitimately <laughs> talk like, will anyone see this? Will anyone know? I think it's got like 50,000 views, but like <laughs> put, put like two saves that he made on me and then i am just lighting him up and he's like can you keep my name out of this please but now i'm up because it's well how many how many goalies out there are six foot seven and catch with their right hand he's he's kind of screwed yeah i I remember vax was like make sure you slide all the way out i'm gonna flip the puck over your head You would put me on blast on that one. All right, there was one. There was one scripted goal in the entire thing. I wanted to do a flip over his head, and I was like, "Hey, man, come slide out of the net real hard. I'm gonna flip it over you." So he played along with that one. But all the other goals are real. It was a true hockey stick review. But Tyler's a good man, and uh, he was, you know, what he was actually pissed off after we did like the commercial thing because I, I I had a good day that day when I was still playing. It's pretty funny. He let you score. He let you score. Um, Parksy let me score. <laughs> well, Parksy, thanks so much for coming on, man. This was uh, this was incredible. So many people are going to get so many things out of this, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on. And uh, best of luck, man. Hopefully, you know this elite prospect page will uh, will show an end at the beginning of the HL uh, at some point for you in the future. And if if history shows you, you're going to work your butt off to to make sure you get there. So, uh, thank you for coming on. I hope everybody has a great week this week. Vex, way to cry on this episode. Pre- appreciate you bringing that. And, Shut up, <laughs> <this happened. laughs> and, uh, and we'll talk to you guys later. See ya.